Good evening and welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Wednesday night, the 21st of April, 2021. Joe Rayo on my left and I'm Joe Choppy and the Joe and Joe Weather Show uh, is proudly brought to you by... Oh, I did it again. Hang on a second. It just is amazing. It's finally brought to you by Omni True Value. Yes, Omni and True Holiday. Value. And, and wholesale, and wholesale holiday, holiday lighting by Giannini. Yes. Now, first off, it's um, right. It's Omni True Value Hardware. <clears throat> They've got mulch and plenty of it. And uh, they are uh, in different colors, too. And they make it there at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. So uh, get your, your dump truck over there, whether you are an individual, or if you're a landscaper, putting somebody else's yard together and get your supplies at Omni True Value Hardware. The telephone number is 631-756-1125. They have the best prices in town. And the website is omnitruevalue.com. Also brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, 631-957-5106. And here, too, if uh, you're getting your home decorated or you want to do this for a business, give them a call. And the website is liholidaylighting.com. So I actually saved, Joe, the radar out of um, Upton uh, to watch the loop of the showers that actually developed this morning, the first round uh, that popped up. You know, sometimes when you get those first round showers, that was probably the warm sector setting up. So occasionally they do rob the atmosphere, uh, making it uh, more stable in their wake, but it uh, didn't work this time around. The atmosphere was very unstable uh, afterward, and you can see that squall line that developed. Uh, I think the models that uh, advertised the strongest squall lines, like the NAM 3, did a better job handling this. Uh, the HRRR model actually picked up on this uh, earlier today, and so did SPC because they went to a slight risk uh, this morning which uh, we talked about last night. You know, Joe, we also said that the NAM and the uh, HRRR yesterday was highlighting or red flagging around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And meanwhile, the GFS was noticeably faster, saying the squall would come through, let's say, around 1. So I get if you, if you split everything down the middle between what the GFS was advertising and what the NAM was advertising, uh, 2.30, that pretty much nailed it right on the head because – that was the time frame when I think at 2.30 this afternoon, we were right in the middle of uh, all of this storminess. The uh, rains came down very hard here locally. I thought I perhaps glimpsed a little bit of pea-sized hail, but uh, Renata says it was more likely uh, some of the tree buds that were coming down, and they certainly came down. Now, a, lot of, a lot got blown around with the, uh, with the squall, although we did get reports from Yonkers and other parts of the Hudson Valley of little bit of hail. And um, even though uh, we said yesterday that this was not likely to be a tornadic type of producer, uh, there was still a tornado warning that went out across portions of Dutchess County to my north and uh, eventually spilled over into parts of uh, northwestern Connecticut. So it turned out to be a very active day. It, it, it Initially, it looked like everything was going to be, you know, rather modest for any kind of severe weather. But as it sometimes turns out, uh, things got a little bit more robust as opposed to what the models were suggesting. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the, the uh, 
things that happened at, this morning after that first band of showers got, went by, that uh, the winds went from being south uh, to uh, southwest. So that kind of diminishing that the input of the south wind. And the bottom line is that the upper trough here was pretty fairly impressive. Uh, I think if you didn't have the strength of that upper trough and the very, very cold air that was um, aloft, uh, you probably would have seen these cells weaken as they moved eastward. The other thing that was impressive too, Joe, was to see the uh, big spread in temperatures, uh, temperatures up close to 70 uh, ahead of the front and just a handful of miles away on the other side, temperatures were in the 30s. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty good range. That's a pretty solid spread there. Uh, over a relatively short distance to help uh, in the development of these storms. And on the latest radar, when they moved over Long Island, the western part of Long Island, they were stronger than they were in the east. And now on the wide radar view, and this is uh, as of, this is probably about 30 minutes old. I'm not going to refresh it at this point. Uh, but you can see that the cells just kind of weakened a bit as they moved a little bit further to the east. So you got it here on the peak intensity into western Massachusetts, northern Connecticut, and uh, points north and east, uh, seeing uh, some showers on up through Maine. Of course, on the back side, change over to snow. And uh, there's snow showers on the radar down to West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, back over through uh, parts of Indiana, and around the lower lakes. So that upper, you know, the whole upper trough here just dominating the weather in the eastern part of the United States. Should also point out, by the way, that uh, the Astros tonight are playing uh, in Denver. And there's a patch of snow that developed uh, right over Denver uh, during the, the mid and late afternoon, our mid and late afternoon. And I was watching, uh, saw a friend of mine post on Facebook that uh, he was, he was, uh, uh, at the game, he was at the stadium, and it was uh, it was coming down uh, pretty good over there. I don't know if they're they're getting the game in or not, but uh, a little patch more snow there up for northern Colorado. Uh, they uh, they they're not done with winter yet uh, out out there in the west. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure either whether or not that game got held up or postponed. You say it was it was in Denver, and I'm looking here on MLB.com to just to see if they, what do they do? Blah, 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 blah. I don't see that game, Joe, or, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Astros and Rockies. The Rockies apparently won six to three. Oh, so they did. And play, I guess they played yeah. all nine and they did play all nine innings. Yeah. Unreal. Uh, un unreal. David Fuller just hitting super chat. Thank you, David. Most appreciated as always. Uh, Big hello to everybody that's on the chat board tonight. Uh, uh, who would just somebody just pointed this out? You were just talking about that tornado warning uh, for uh, for Duchess and then also uh, for Litchfield County. That uh, Litchfield County uh, wound up going from that tornado warning to seeing snow two hours later. That's something you don't see very often. Well, here at uh, the home base, the temperature dropped 23 degrees in less than two hours. We peaked at like 1.20 in the afternoon at 69 degrees. I might also point out, Joe, that I knew I was in trouble because uh, the sun broke through from time to time during the late morning and early afternoon. So we had 69 degrees, and then about 10 minutes after 3, after all of the violent weather moved on by, I looked at the thermometer again. It was down to 46. So 23 degrees in uh, less than two hours. That's a pretty... Pretty darn good drop in temperature. That was Mark G, by the way, pointing out what happened in Litchfield County today. 
Oh, and by the way, I put up the map of the uh, warnings that are up tonight. Uh, this is pretty unusual to see <clears throat> so many areas uh, in the Midwest and in the South uh, under either a freeze advisory or a freeze warning. And of course, right as we were talking about this last night, Joe, uh, shortly after eight o'clock, they put up. They must have been listening to us because they put up the free uh, yeah. the freeze warning. Uh, and uh, SBC was listening too because they put it. They moved it up to a slight risk, um, <laughs> and, and, and we're happy to help. <laughs> yes. We're happy to help. By the way, I, I think you'll get a, a kick out of this. So um, I'm going to pull up because I'm, I'm in Northeast Georgia at the, right now, and uh, it was a cold day here. It was in the 40s all day. A uh, lot of clouds this morning that went to mostly sunny skies, uh, but uh, we had a wind advisory up. Now, initially, when I read the wind advisory, <laughs> I'm going to see if they correct if they change this at all. Uh, the wind advisory is still up until 10 o'clock tonight, but when they first put it up and I looked at it this morning, the wind advisory, I know it's still re reading the same way. Um, wind advisory here. Uh, also, the freeze warning, sub-freezing temperatures down to near 30. That's what they're forecasting for me uh, here tomorrow morning. So I had to bring uh, my, uh, some of my plants in that I have outside. The wind advisory was for northwest winds at 10 to 15 miles an hour with gusts to 30. So, so the criteria here is a little lower than, uh, than it is up in the northeast. But I will tell you, uh, it was not 10 to 15 here. It was every bit of 20 to 25 sustained, and, and there were gusts, uh, you know, definitely up into the 30s, if that helps. I just got a kick out of seeing a wind advisory of northwest winds at 10 to 15 miles an hour. And uh, I, I like the impacts. They say gusty winds could blow around unsecured objects, tree limbs blown down, power outages may result, frost and freeze conditions will, well, this is a little more serious now. Frost and freeze conditions will kill crops, other sensitive vegetation, and possibly damage unprotected protected outdoor plumbing. <laughs> well, you the, know. The threshold um, of pain is here is a little bit lower than it is up 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 in the northeast. Well, you know, you, <laughs> if you get the temperatures down, you know, to around freezing up here, you know, I'll say, well, you know, then it's either in late fall or uh, at this time of the year, early spring, you, you debate. You say, well, should I turn the water off, uh, you know, to avoid freezing the pipes? It, it will get down to or even below freezing. But for a relatively short time, we should recover back up into the 40s tomorrow uh, during yeah. the uh, afternoon. But, I mean, if, you, if you're concerned about that, you just might want to turn off your water to avoid uh, any... Uh, any freezing uh, water in those pipes. I mean, you know, if it, if um, it, it was down, if, if if it was going down to twenty or less and staying there, I would, I would, you know, I'd be a little more oh, concerned. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, but absolutely, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, tomorrow, once the sun, you know, once we get past sun up by a couple hours, the temperatures should uh, jump past uh, third, you know, over the freezing mark fairly quickly. But what, we've got, we got. What, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Tom Grant, what would Tom Grant say? <laughs> what would Tom Grant say about all this? Yeah, he would say <laughs> landlords are advised to keep heat up during such extreme <laughs> conditions. <laughs> God bless him, Tom Grant. We love you. Um, uh, retired uh, National Weather Service New York uh, forecaster. Uh, so you see the freeze warnings. 
Also, some winter weather advisories in a few counties well up in the upstate New York, northernmost Vermont, northernmost New Hampshire, northernmost Maine. Uh, but uh, the freeze warnings go down through the Carolinas and into north, northeast Georgia, uh, across Tennessee. It varies in some places. It's a, a warning. Some places it's an advisory. The whole state of Missouri, all of Illinois, Indiana, southern Wisconsin, well, no, uh, not in Wisconsin, uh, and uh, half of Michigan, all under freeze warnings. There, Oddly enough, there are no other warnings other than that wind, wind advisory that's up for, for, for much of Georgia. Uh, but uh, the rest of the country is actually fairly quiet uh, at the moment. Uh, the severe weather threat in the, uh, today was just in the Northeast. And uh, in fact, as we uh, take a look, I'll go to right, right to, uh, let's get SPC's view of all of this. Um, uh, even before we do that, take a look at the upper air. You know, we, 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 know, we showed you this yesterday, and you see how that jet just kind of amplifies over Pennsylvania, uh, and it did during this afternoon, and then swung to the east. So this was where really the support from this upper trough was, was very, very, was very strong. And, of course, you had a lot of instability. Uh, SBC talked about the lapse rates, which is the uh, decrease in temperature with height, was very steep. So that, that helped the cause as well. And now, of course, this upper trough is going to very, very slowly inch eastward. There's, there's a little reinforcement jet that's coming down uh, during tomorrow in, in the Great Lakes. And that's going to eventually ride its way through um, uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. This is why I'm thinking there'll probably be some occasional bouts of cloud cover until we can get this whole thing to just sort of pull out. And that's probably not going to happen until later on Friday. So uh, next two days are going to have a very early spring feel to it. Indeed, indeed. And isn't that the, the, the month of April is just like that. I mean, you'll go uh, the pendulum. A lot of people talk about March being the, uh, the crazy month, but April just is crazy where you can go from, uh, uh, very warm conditions one day to cold. And look, we're seeing reports here of uh, not only cold, but also uh, some snow, uh, some uh, some light accumulations up in the high terrain areas. So, yeah, that, that's that's what April is all about, folks, And indeed. Johnny Quest hits Super Chat tonight. Thank you, Johnny. Nice to see you on board. And Chuck Cardillo in the snow capital of, of, of the world in uh, in the Catskills. Uh, two and a half inches of snow today. Uh, so he had he had some yep. uh, he had some cleanup uh, to do there. One thing about this time of year, though, is, is that it usually disappears rather quickly, thankfully. So uh, it'll it'll be gone before too long. If you didn't show, I know Chuck, you probably cleared it, but if you hadn't, you know, it'll probably disappear um, awfully fast. By the way, note here on this um, upper air that uh, what's in the southwest, because this is the next uh, trough in the southern stream that's going to be moving eastward, and that will amplify with another trough that's coming down from the north and phase uh, to bring rain here this weekend. But before it does that, uh, not tomorrow, but uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, Friday uh, in the southern plains, and then on Saturday, the risk for severe weather is going to spread eastward. So it's going to be another event across the uh, uh, the deep south uh, with respect to showers and thunderstorms and uh, severe weather. SPC on their forecast uh, outlook, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that. Uh, and uh, we are, of course, with what's left of today, the risk zones are 
pretty much done. There's still a slight risk uh, indicated uh, in eastern New England, and this map will be updated shortly. So for the most part, it, you know, it's, it's pretty much done now. And moving on to tomorrow, uh, there is no severe weather being indicated in their forecast for Thursday into Friday, just a few pockets of general thunderstorms. And then we'll start on Friday. And of course, SPC advertised this on the long range, a rather large area of slight risk in central and east Texas, much of Louisiana into uh, south central Mississippi. The marginal risk extends a little bit further uh, both to the east and to the west of the slight risk and also to the north of the slight risk, pushing up uh, into uh, northern Oklahoma. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we wind up seeing an enhanced risk appear on this <clears throat> when we get to Friday. And then on Saturday, SPC uh, has a, whoops, I skipped it. I'm sorry. Let me just roll back. Okay, so this was the day, day three right now is Friday into Saturday. So, because today is day one. Uh, so this is Friday right. into Saturday. And uh, now on the day four to eight outlook on day four, uh, which is uh, Saturday into Sunday morning, uh, SPC has a 15% risk from southeastern Louisiana, much of, of uh, southern and central Mississippi, uh, southern and central Alabama, southern and central Georgia, into uh, South Carolina and including the Florida Panhandle. And here, too, I would not be at all surprised if we wind up seeing a little area of enhanced risk pop up when we get uh, a, a bit closer. And uh, it looks like, Joe, we are going to have a couple of days, a few days, actually, of rather tranquil. What do, what do you think about, I mean, maybe obviously not for New York City or Long Island, but I think for parts of the Hudson Valley tomorrow, with the way the winds will be gusting out of the northwest, that any snow shower or flurry activity that is uh, in and around the Great Lakes, one or two of those may be blown as far south as the Hudson Valley, the lower Hudson Valley. And I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, mid or late afternoon tomorrow, I see a few snowflakes in the air. I mean, that's not going to amount to anything, but, you know, I, I wouldn't totally rule out the possibility of seeing a little flaky weather in that chilly and windy and unstable air mass that'll be over us tomorrow. Or maybe some grapple because that happened in the last cold shot uh, what was it, a week or so ago uh, some folks reported uh, grapple on uh, the next day. The upper air is very cold. Uh, the, the the upper air if you matched it up, have a, having a, an upper air like we have right now if you have it back in January and February you'd probably be talking about temperatures that'd be in the 20s all day. Uh, but uh, you know, being that this is April, the low levels of the atmosphere, even in the coldest air masses, uh, try to uh, warm up relatively quickly. Robert Russo hit Super Chat. Uh, thank you, Robert. Most appreciated as always. Uh, just wanted to give you that, give you a big thank you and a big hug <laughs> to, to keep you warm. Matthew Murphy on the, Matthew Murphy on the chat board is saying uh, a longtime listener, first time commenta uh, com commenter. Uh, thank you for all that we uh, do. Fun weather today. Five minutes of heavy pea-sized hail at 2.30 p.m. in Greenport in Brooklyn. And again, 2.30 seemed to be the time frame, Joe, where just about everybody in the immediate tri-state area was getting hit in one way, shape, or form, either with hail, with wind, with uh, heavy rain, lightning, thunder. That, that seemed to be the uh, midpoint of the nasty weather. And as I mentioned at the onset, uh, that was uh, midway between what was being forecast by the NAM, 
At four o'clock, they said we would be getting hit. And the GFS, which had it coming in or racing in at one o'clock. So if you took a compromise, 2.30, there you go. Right right on target. Also want to mention to Steve LaPointe hitting Super Chat tonight. Thank you, Steve. Simplicity weather from the Joes. And that's what we strive for here. The, just to, you know, we get a little technical, but that's, um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. And then if you watch the show long enough, um, a lot of stuff starts to click in terms of how the atmosphere works. Um, and uh, speaking of which, uh, we are going to see uh, the, the next trough. Uh, again, we talked about the north and the south phasing. WPC uh, brings a, a pretty good amount of rain. Some of this, of course, is going to be con uh, convectively driven uh, with the thunderstorms uh, in the area that we showed you the severe weather risk. But three inches or more <clears throat> uh, for eastern Texas and into uh, western and central Mississippi. Also some heavy rains pushing up. Uh, into southern and central Missouri on the order of three inches plus. Uh, in the east, for the system for Saturday night and into Sunday morning, it's looking like it'll be three-quarters of an inch to an inch, maybe an inch and a quarter, uh, and that'll carry its way on up into New England. You see the half to three-quarters of an inch back in eastern Pennsylvania and uh, up through the middle and upper Hudson Valley into upstate New York, which really could use it there because it's, it's, it's very dry. Also seeing rain up in the northern plains and western lakes, uh, more precip, and a lot of this is going to be snow uh, in the Rockies. Whoops, uh, sorry, i got to switch over to the map. Thank you, Johnny, for telling me that because I switched back to uh, uh, Joe and I together. There you go. So now you can see it uh, on the map here. And uh, you see the precip in the Rockies, still more snow possible uh, with the pattern that we're in, and rains in the uh, west, uh, some quarter to a half inch rain amounts even down uh, into southernmost California, <coughs> excuse, all the way down to San Diego. Uh, this is good because the rain was lacking during the winter time, and uh, heavier rains up in northern California, the Sierra Nevadas, and then pushing on up uh, into the Pacific Northwest. So uh, the system for Saturday to Sunday, Joe, and I was taking a look at everything with respect to the the the, uh, the medium and long range. Uh, I th that might uh, be the last one that we'll deal with because I think much of next week may wind up being dry if this blocky pattern that I'm, I'm seeing setting up, uh, it might we might get into a sweet spot again. Like last week? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, Which would be nice. Yeah, trying to figure out the temperatures, though, is a little bit difficult because there's still going to be, there are going to be some days, I think, where uh, at least along the coast, uh, the wind off the ocean may uh, may have a say in how high temperatures get, but um, as opposed to inland areas, which will probably have a much easier time of it as far as uh, warming things up. Now, I'm going to, I got the 12Z uh, GFS up, so I might, might as well just take a look at this first before I switch because we have to wait for the maps to load, but uh, I the, the wind tonight into tomorrow, the low is sitting up uh, in uh, eastern Canada. The gradient is fairly tight during the day tomorrow. Uh, if there were wind advisories going up, they, I think they would have put them up already. So uh, we figured it probably stayed just below criteria, but it is going to be cold. And then uh, there's still a bit breezy here on Friday. The high moves off the southeast coast and low pressure to the north. Saturday, uh, on course for being the better of the two weekend days. Now, you can watch low pressure there uh, in East Texas. 
you can see how the GFS is is rather bullish with some uh, with the uh, the precip shield for Friday night into Saturday morning, matching up with that area of risk from SPCs, and then as we go through Saturday, uh, that the uh, the big rain and thunderstorms that move across Alabama into Georgia uh, looks like I'm think the GFS has been pretty consistent on the timing on this. So it kind of, it looks like rain gets into southern New Jersey and southeastern Pennsylvania and points south uh, during Saturday Saturday afternoon uh, we see the rain moving Saturday morning it moves into the Carolinas Saturday afternoon into Virginia Saturday evening southern and eastern Pennsylvania southern New Jersey looks like it gets to New York City maybe around say nine or ten o'clock and by Sunday morning the lows at Atlantic City. And by Sunday afternoon, it's south of Montauk. So I'm thinking, Joe, that south and west of New York City should see some improvement later Sunday morning or early afternoon. And north and east of New York City into southern New England, it may take all afternoon. You have to just wait for the rain to pull out and then the clouds to pull out. So Saturday still looks like the better of the two days for most of our area. And I agree. And it looks like the uh, the temperatures are going to be averaging probably uh, below normal, at least through the end of the week. Friday, uh, still, I mean, not quite as cold as what we're going to be looking at tomorrow. Then we get into Saturday, and Saturday is probably more seasonal than, than anything else. And then uh, on Sunday, it, it turns chilly again, but only because, again, Joe, we, we're going to have all those clouds associated with that uh, developing system just off our shorelines. And then as that moves on out, uh, as you just pointed out a few moments ago, uh, a nice warm-up for the early part of next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, maybe even through uh, all of next week. The only question will be that, you know, whether or not we see any precipitation maybe by later on next week. But, um, yeah, a, a nice warm-up, uh, quite in contrast to what we're being dealt with right now with right. this sudden drop. I mean, tomorrow morning, when you factor in the winds tomorrow morning, step outside it's going to feel more like upper, like like late or mid February, um, a really chill-filled morning uh, tomorrow for all of the, those of you who, you know, have to get on out and go somewhere in the early hours of the morning. So we go from this wintry-looking upper air uh, that we have for Thursday morning. Uh, you um, you see uh, the trough in the eastern part of the United States right in here. And then, of course, you've got this other big upper low in northwestern Canada. Uh, the uh, flow from Canada is wide open and bringing down all that chilly air. I did notice, I just this is the 18Z run here. I, I, I am noticing some changes for next week that uh, folks might like if it winds up verifying. So, well, let me take you through this. So, because the upper low, of course, lifts up into eastern Canada. The next one tries to come down. Now, here's your strong southern stream shortwave. That will be the trigger for severe weather. Uh, the, the northern part of that jet is <clears throat> swinging down as well. So this creates a phase or an attempt to, of a phase. And the trough kind of lifts up uh, in a negative fashion here Saturday night into Sunday morning. By the way, meanwhile, we've got another rather vigorous system uh, in the west that's coming down from the Pacific Northwest and heading for California there. Uh, so that trough lifts up. And we talked yesterday about the fact that this upper low that forms uh, in uh, near Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, 
But there's some big differences, Joe, that are setting up across the North Atlantic. It's not quite as blocky as what was being indicated uh, a few days ago. So the upper low that instead of the upper low was forecast to drop southward. Uh, and now it just kind of sits there between Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and really doesn't do anything. Uh, just it, it just stays up there. So what that does is actually allows a rather strong ridge uh, to build up the east coast while you have deep troughing uh, out to the west in the uh, in the plains. And uh, that's probably going to mean severe weather out there next week uh, in, the, in the central plains. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll, obviously we'll see what that means uh, in terms of the specifics of what the model does. But in a setup like this with this strong ridge, uh, it does suggest that not only uh, will be dry, at least into Thursday, but we actually, you know, I'm starting to wonder whether we may have, you know, some places are going to have onshore flow issues, but uh, we could warm up pretty nicely away from the coast uh, with, with with this. And then, of course, you know, you get this weakening trough that brings maybe a cold front later next week. And just for laughs after that, eh, you know, I mean, it is kind of blocky, but it's not, it's, it's nothing, nothing that to me, I would be too concerned about because the ridge kind of pops right back up now that we're getting into early May. Uh, the ridge starts to pop back up in the eastern part of the United States and trough um, out in the west and fairly deep out in the west. So for those folks, winter ain't over yet. But uh, some <laughs> some uh, some positive indications here with regards to the weather in the east. Yeah, and uh, hope springs eternal that we may have a, a nice stretch of fine dry weather for next week we'll we'll uh, just wait and see and uh, again after what we go through these next couple of days anything anything will feel uh, a lot milder or a lot warmer uh, we certainly uh, are going to be uh, you know down well below seasonal normals tomorrow and friday and then the uh, slow climb back upward over the weekend and especially into next week next week as you just pointed out joe should be uh, uh, seasonably mild or milder than normal, and uh, that'll feel real good compared to what we're experiencing right now. So I'm running the new GFS, uh, which I haven't seen. So obviously it's pretty consistent in the short range. You see the uh, potential severe weather outbreak with that low for Friday and Saturday in the areas advertised. Surface low goes into the Ohio Valley and weakens. You have a coastal low that develops in eastern North Carolina, brings up the rain. Uh, the only thing is, Joe, I'm noticing on this run that it is a little bit slower uh, with the low. So Sunday morning, the low is southeast of Atlantic City, although the isobar is bent back <clears throat> northwest. The low could certainly be a little bit closer to the coast, uh, but it takes a little longer, it seems, to get out of the way. So that might that certainly solidifies, in my view, um, that the uh, better day the be is going to be uh, Saturday. And then next week... There's no real cold air behind this. So I'm just kind of looking at here. So Monday, we're sort of on the edge of, the, of, of, of a northerly flow left over from the low out, moving out to the east. And then the high is right on the coast and the isobars go southwest for Wednesday and Thursday. There's no sign of a high building to the north because it's not nearly as blocky. So, I mean, if this, if this is correct, I would say that... Um, Wednesday and Thursday of next week, we could see temperatures uh, well up into the 70s inland, maybe some 80-degree uh, temperatures popping up, not impossible. 
long as the uh, there's enough sun and the sea breeze behaves. And then an area of showers comes in sometime, even Friday, this is right, because of the slowness of and the strength of the ridge. Showers don't get here till late Friday, Friday night, and Saturday, to Saturday morning on this run. So uh, pretty interesting uh, developments here uh, with respect to um, next week. We'll see if the models continue on this path uh, in subsequent runs. Yeah, temperatures in the 70s to near 80s sound real good compared to, again, what we're going to be dealing with these next couple of days. And, uh, you know, again, that's that's April. But we're now heading toward the uh, the home stretch for April next week. And before you know it, it'll be the month of May and start thinking about Memorial Day and about uh, the unofficial start of summer, Joe. It's, yeah. uh, th this, year, this year has really whizzed on by i mean it's i can't but it seems like only uh, only about a month ago that we were in the throes of that that tremendous snowstorm that hit us at the beginning of february and of course it's been more than a month it's been quite a, quite a few uh months but um i i just don't know i don't know if, it, if you feel the same way but i think 2021 is really flying on by it is that's because you and i are having a good time that's why by the way, uh, the uh, take a look out west. Uh, what, again, this is all in the long range, but if there's going to be troughing in the west, uh, there is uh, snow being indicated in the long, long range for May 3rd for Colorado. Uh, so uh, our friend Ruth Lescote, who's on here from time to time and has been um, digging out from the recent snowfall, uh, is, uh, is 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 uh, not going to like the fact that he may not be done yet. And also, as I noted earlier, take a look here you know, with this energy coming in uh, for the, at the very beginning of the month of May. There's a pretty substantial severe weather outbreak that shows up on the GFS. Again, this is you know later next week uh, and be, I mean the week after next. Um, so uh, obviously, there's a long way to go here, but. Uh, wouldn't be a shocker if, if it winds up playing out this way. Uh, that's that's where I would favor uh, severe weather outbreaks um, further west. Uh, going uh, If the trough is going to go into the western part of the United States and if we're going to have a ridge in the east, you're going to wind, wind up having the severe weather outbreaks in the, uh, in the plains uh, and um, maybe even up into parts of the upper Midwest. But they won't come to the east coast, not, not with that pattern. Yeah. All right. I, I accept that. Okay. <laughs> so um, since now we are back on full screen, Bill Rogers said, had a question here uh, for you, uh, the Lyrid meteor shower. And what is the difference between an asteroid, a meteor and a meteorite? An asteroid is a very large body. Uh, anything, anything, you know, actually, the, if you've ever been to the Hayden Planetarium in New York, they have a couple of gigantic meteorites on the order of 14 to 34 tons, anywhere from six to 10 feet across. Those could actually be called asteroids uh, in some ways. Uh, generally speaking, any, any particle in space, which we would call a meteoroid that manages to make it all the way down to the Earth's surface is a meteorite. And anything that I would say that's anything over you know, let's say 10 feet across, you can call that an asteroid, a king-sized meteorite or meteoroid. And the Lyrid meteor shower, not really all that great to write home about. I, I, certainly, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning to look for it, only for two reasons. Number one, most of tonight 
when it finally does clear, if it does clear, um, uh, it's going to be uh, lit up by a bright gibbous or three-quarter moon, and that's going to probably squelch the light of most of the meteors from the Lyrid shower, uh, except for the very brightest ones. Your best view will be at like four or five in the morning, but by that time, dawn is about to break, and the, the Lyrid meteor shower only produces like 10 or 15 meteors per hour. Let's wait until August when we have the famous Perseid shower. That will be a very good meteor shower to look for. Uh, they'll produce like 60 or 70 meteors per hour. That is that is a worthwhile meteor shower to look for. But the, the Lyrid meteor shower is one of the weaker displays. Not, again, really, uh, I, I would say, worth getting up for. But if you want to get up, you don't have anything to do, uh, you might want to get up tomorrow morning. Look, actually, Joe, actually, there is something that many of the people on the chat board, maybe even you, might want to get up early for on Friday morning. Uh, the uh, launch of the next mission to the International Space Station, a crewed launch, four astronauts on board will be taken up to the space station on a Falcon 9 rocket um, that has been uh, created by SpaceX. And that launch will possibly be visible along much of the eastern seaboard. In fact, as the rocket gets high enough into the atmosphere, it will be illuminated by the sun. The uh, contrail that it will leave behind will also be illuminated by the sun. And so it will leave in its wake a rather significant trail of light, which will stretch across the southern sky. So if you're up and about, uh, the launch is at 5.49 a.m. Eastern time on Friday morning. Let's say about five or eight minutes after liftoff, you take a look over toward the southern part of the sky. You just might see that rocket with that long trail behind it as it heads up into orbit to get ready to uh, rendezvous with the uh, International Space Station. That'll happen early on Saturday morning. That may be something for you to, my, to, to wake up to uh, early on Friday morning. Well, uh, as long as the the southern view, I got big mountains to my south, so as long as the mountains uh, uh, don't get in the way, uh, but uh, I'll make a note of it because I'm usually up before sunrise here. You know, it it, it uh, this the uh, because of where I am longitude wise, uh, the sun doesn't rise until uh, uh, after seven a.m. Uh, so right, uh, and, and actually because uh, it has to get high enough above the mountain. Uh, before I even see the sun, <laughs> so that takes an extra hour or so. Uh, meanwhile, if you go ahead, I'm sorry. If you're if you're, uh, hmm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. For, for, you're not too far from Atlanta, right? Or two hours. Well, you know, uh, you, if you make your if you make a fist and hold it out at arm's length, that's equivalent to about ten degrees. So if you you know, put your fist at the bottom of where the horizon is. If the uh, top of the fist is higher than the mountains, then you'll have a chance at least yeah, no, seeing the trail. I, I, I'll have to go. I'll have to drive to Blue Ridge, where it, it's it's like at the uh, Blue Ridge is is um, well, I it, it's near the higher elevation point there, so I'll have a better sight. The the, the bigger mountains are to my west, and that go up to like four thousand feet and up. So. Um, I'll have to drive south. I'll have to drive west to, to get a to get a better view. Speaking of, by the way, west, uh, Bill Uber and uh, Johnny Quest pointing out, and I'm obliging here. 
we have a, uh, a typhoon in the Pacific, uh, uh, just about the equivalent of a, a strong Category 3 here, uh, Typhoon Surigay. And uh, I've got the track up on the map uh, on the map here, Joe. It looks like it's going to pass east of the Philippines by a, a close, uh, you know, it's going to be close, but it should be far enough offshore. And then it recurves east of Taiwan and Taipei uh, and passes well south and east of Japan. Uh, and right now, uh, as far as the... Um, let me see, I, I thought I put up, yeah, here we go. So here's the satellite loop. It's got a very well-defined eye. It's got that nice circular, not quite the buzzsaw look, but um, getting relatively close. And uh, with respect to uh, the uh, positioning here for this uh, Typhoon Surigay, uh, it's uh, at, uh, let's see, winds are 105 knots is what they're carrying. So that's a Category 3 uh, uh, 19.3 north, 124.8 west, moving 010 at 5 knots. So uh, by miles, it's 349 nautical miles from Taipei. Um, and I'm just trying to find, that's the only one here that's I think might be familiar to some. And from Manila, uh, it is uh, 356 miles. From, uh, from Manila in the Philippines. So uh, the, the Western Pacific, which could have a tropical storm or a hurricane in any month, uh, is uh, has got one now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, they've got one now. Yeah. yeah. For us, well, you know, the Atlantic Basin, we usually have to wait until, what, uh, late July or early August before we even begin to see something that, that dynamic. Um, I don't remember ever seeing a storm of that magnitude, let's say, in June or May or even early July. But, you know, that, that, that as you just mentioned, Joe, the Western, um, the Eastern, the Western Pacific, the waters out there are, are still quite warm uh, uh, through much of the year. And so you get that from time to time, even in the month of April. Yep, exactly. And by the way, tropical weather outlooks start on May 15th this year. So that's... Uh, 24 days from now, uh, Joe, 24, uh, 24 days from now. So like you but said, that's not, but the, but the season begins officially still on June 1st. Yeah. They didn't change the season, uh, starting on June 1st. They were talking about the possibility of moving it up to the 15th. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, the, the bureaucratic wheels in the weather world tend to run very slowly. <laughs> Very, very oh, slowly. Very slowly. Yes. Well, it's not just us. It's, it's the other. It's, it's, it's an international organization that has to decide. And if there are a lot of, if there are a lot of international um, opinions, then yeah, consensus will, will take its sweet time. And uh, I mean, take a look. In, in, in since Vatican II, in early uh, 1960s, I think it was 1962-63. They came to a decision. The Pope came to a decision saying, all right, if all of you can get together, then we'll have Easter in the second week of uh, the second Sunday of April instead of having it move around because of lunar cycles. So take take your choice. Make a decision. And they've taken the better part of 60 years and they still haven't decided yet uh, whether or not they're going to go in that direction. Right. <laughs> 
So are you ready for some Briller Jeopardy? The chairman actually left me, did leave me one for yesterday, and I forgot about it. Uh, so I also have, he sent me one for today, which we'll use for tomorrow. But uh, we're still in the land, of, in, 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 we're still doing top tens. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay, so, okay. so today's top ten, and of course baseball rules apply. These ten states, these ten states have recorded a high yes. temperature of at least a high temperature of at least 120 degrees. Oh, you got to be kidding me. There are 10 states that have done that? Yes. 120 degrees. All right. Okay. I'll 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 bite here. Let's let's start off. I know California Death Valley has is one of those states. Number 1. Number one. All right. Now we move to, I think, number two, which would be Arizona. That is correct. Number two is Arizona. Okay. How about number three? I'm going to try to get them in, in numerical order here. Number, th I would think number three is Nevada. Nevada is number five. <clears throat> All right. But I, I know I'm in the general vicinity how about uh, New Mexico? New Mexico is correct, number six. Okay. And Texas? Texas is on the list at number 10. Number 10? Huh. Well, well. 120 degrees? 120. 120 degrees. Now I don't know I don't know oh if God. there's any particular reason why the order is the way it is uh, because you know if if it hit 120 degrees once it's going to make the list you know anywhere in the state and obviously a state like Texas is very large so uh, so I, but I, I'm not sure how, if these are why, why how these are ranked or what what is the parameter of the ranking so uh, but anyway uh, be that as it may you still haven't gotten one wrong yet. How about Utah? No, sorry. Utah is not on this list. Let me double check. No, Utah is not on this list. How about, how about Oklahoma? Oklahoma comes in at number nine. Okay. What about uh, Missouri? No, Missouri is not on the list. That's two strikes for you. Uh, well, well, well. Now we have to go to the deep south, but I think, I think the Gulf of Mexico would modify the temperature. I could see 100 degrees. I just can't see places like Alabama or Mississippi or Florida making it to 120. Right. I just can't. Well. And I have no clue. I go inland. Uh, I don't know. Go into the Great Plains. South Dakota. South Dakota is on the list. Yes, South Dakota is on the list. Really? Yes. Amazing. South Dakota. Wyoming? No, sadly, Wyoming did not make the top ten. <clears throat> so... 
That is your third error. But I'll extend. And I guess it. I'm out, right? No, no. But keep. Go ahead. Guessing. Keep guessing. I'll I'll help you now. Uh, okay. So if if okay. uh, um, if if not South Dakota, then North Dakota. That's correct. Um, the Bismarck. Bismarck, North Dakota. That's where the Raccoon National Cemetery right. is. Um, the uh, the land of enchantment. We we did this the other day, the land of enchantment. And you should remember that uh, what what state that is. I should, shouldn't I? Yes. It's like concentration or whatever. Right. Uh, so what what was it? Not Colorado. No. The land of enchantment. Rayo, where's your head? <laughs> well, you, you already picked this, the state that's to its east and the state that's to its west. Uh, Nebraska? No. No, not to... The no. state to its east. By the way, that you mentioned, the the, that you mentioned Nebraska... Um, yeah. Movie recommendation. Remind me after we're done with this. Uh, so go ahead. This, you mentioned the state to its west and the state to its east. I will. I See, will. Now I'm now, now I'm now I'm openly cheating here. Okay. Not, I'm not googling land of right. enchantment. New Mexico. New, New Mexico. Mexico. That is correct. But I didn't. Didn't I say New Mexico before? Oh, maybe you did. I said New okay. Mexico. But I want, okay, so at least you now can remember that it's the land of enchantment. Um, okay. One of the more famous residents of this particular state is Miss Gulch. <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> Kansas. Now, this one surprised me, okay? I would not have, I would, it, I, I, listen, if you were giving this to me, I would never guess this particular state. Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas? Well, I don't know where in Arkansas. Is, I mean, Little Rock, well, I, I, you know, Arkansas is, is a pretty interesting state. I, I, have, I think the record low temperature in Arkansas is something like 18 degrees below zero. Right. And you're saying that, and you're saying that at least once in their history, they hit 120. Some, somebody got to that, 120. That's an amazing, that's, that, that's pretty amazing. That's, yeah. I think the, the the good question would be what state has the greatest range of temperature, and I, I will assure you that among the top five, Arkansas has to be on that list. Well, we know um, North Dakota and South Dakota are going to be on that list too because they got the 120 on the top, and I'm sure their their lows are like my you know they've got their record lows are got to be down in the minus 40 you know plus range right. somewhere there. Right. Um, yeah. So it just was a little you know Arkansas I never would have guessed. The chairman just hit super chat, and he's asking me if I uh, predicted, you know, because he asked me about predicting the number of days uh, above the ninety degree mark for this coming summer. So I did uh, give him a number. Uh, I'm saying twenty four. Last year you went low, and we went. We ended up going high, right? Right. So I'm going to say twenty four. Okay, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to have another. I'd like to have another Garden of Eden summer like we had about ten years ago, where it was amazingly comfortable right straight on through, and I think we didn't have a single heat wave. I, 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 I don't even want to think about having 
you know, those long stretches of five and six and eight days where the temperature and humidity are so very high, it's like impossible to step outside. We break a sweat as soon as you step outside. Right. Um, Keith, Keith James. Is, did we go through the list? Yeah, we're all done. Keith, Keith, Keith James points out that you, because you mentioned Nebraska, uh, the states around Nebraska, all uh, the two states to the north of Nebraska and the two states to the south of Nebraska have gone to 120, but it's never gone to 120 in the state of Nebraska. And the chairman says Montana is first with the greatest difference between low and high. And I've been to I've been to Montana. I, I flew into Lewis Lewis, uh, excuse me, uh, Great Falls, Montana, when it was like 15 degrees below zero. <laughs> not 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 very, not not something you want to you want to do if you're not used to extremely cold weather. But uh, and, anyway, and just speaking of Nebraska, I just wanted to mention to everybody uh, the other night <clears throat> on Turner Classic Movies because uh, this month is. Um, uh, what they they do it every year. Usually it's in February, but with the, everything being thrown off, uh, the thir- thirty-one days of Oscar, and they uh, run uh, Oscar-nominated movies, and they could be in, in any number of different categories: uh, acting, directing, uh, sometimes for special effects, whatever. But uh, the other night, and I had never seen it, a 2013 movie uh, called Nebraska. Uh, with Bruce Dern, who put who, who, the, his performance in that movie was was mind boggling. It was it was so good, and it's an, it's an actually it's a very dark. It's shot in black and white. It's a dark um, comedy slash drama. Uh, it's about a you know it's it's about a Midwest old man who gets a uh, letter uh, from uh, a magazine saying that he had won a million dollars. He would win a million dollars if um, his numbers match, you know, like the publisher's clearinghouse kind of thing. Uh, So he goes around town saying that he's won a million dollars and all the things that wind up happening because of him saying that. It's a really well done movie. It's very funny uh, and also, you know, very dramatic and very dark. So if you haven't seen it uh, and you've got nothing to watch, uh, Nebraska, I, I, it's on my recommended list. And on the chat board, uh, Craig Kahlberg asked, does Alaska ever hit 120, let alone 100? And yes, the highest temperature in Alaska is 100 degrees on the nose in Fort Yukon on June 27, 1915. And by the way, the lowest temperature in Alaska is 80 degrees below zero Fahrenheit, 62.2 degrees below zero Celsius in Prospect Creek on January 23rd, 1971. And that was just one degree higher than the lowest temperature ever recorded in North America. And that was 81 below zero Fahrenheit in, I love the name of this town, Joe, Snag, Yukon, (laughs) Canada. Yes. Snag. Yes, gotcha. You used to walk around when you when you were in sixth grade. When you were in sixth grade, you used to walk around the schoolyard and hit somebody on the on the Snag, you're it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Joe and Joe Weather Show tonight uh, was brought to you by uh, Omni True Value Hardware, uh, the place to go to get your mulch uh, to make your yard look like the best in the neighborhood. Twelve twenty six North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. 
in uh, Suffolk County, Southwest Suffolk County on Long Island, 631-756-1125. They have the best prices in town, omnitruevalue.com. And brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your holiday lighting specialist meeting all your decorating needs. And as Joe mentioned, time is going by. So you know what? Before you know it, we'll be doing jingle bells around here. They're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, 631-957-5106, also in southwest Suffolk County on Long Island. The website is liholidaylighting.com. And both Omni and Wholesale Holiday Lighting are local businesses, and we heartily support the idea of you supporting your local businesses. So we'll see you tomorrow night, correct? Where else am I going to go? I'll be here. Okay. You'll be there. I'll be here. You just make sure you're, you're here. here. <laughs> the frog, Shane. <laughs> yeah, where's your Messiah now? <laughs> oh, good <laughs> Lord. Uh, Chuck Cardillo. Oh, Chuck Cardillo hit Super Chat. I forgot to acknowledge Chuck. Thank you, Chuck. Steve LaPointe, Johnny Quest, Robert Russo, and the chairman uh, all hitting Super Chat tonight. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, we will uh, both see you tomorrow at uh, 7.30 Eastern Time. Good night, everybody. Bill Rogers does it, wants to know, what, what do you mean by the frog? We'll wait until tomorrow uh, night to explain no, that. Go ahead. The, uh, uh, the frog, Shane. Gee, courageous. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>